Hello, friends. Are you ready for something spooky? Are you ready for something terrifying? Are you ready for what happens when the Star Wars Universe podcast and the Animation Deliberation podcast team up to talk about Star Wars, Lego, and terrifying tales? If you are friends, then gather around a Lego electronic fire as we dive into this special episode. All that and more after commercial break, we have no control over. It's time for Star Wars Animation Deliberate... I don't know the song, but I'm so happy to have Jay Scotty here with me. Uh, this is one of those great moments where we have a kind of interplay between two of our target areas. So uh, myself as the Star Wars guy reached out to uh, Jay Scotty. You guys have been doing some great coverage on all things animated. Uh, I found out about this... Um, you know, animated Lego Star Wars Halloween thing. I just thought this would be a great thing for us to team up on, and I'm so glad you could join me. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that valiant effort there. Definitely got a laugh out of me. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we've had an opportunity to do a little bit of a collaboration. Uh, so yeah, anytime we've got Star Wars animated content out there, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, this was just a real fun one. Love not it. not Love too it. scary, but but fun. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's you know, Lego Disney scary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Although I will say that I thought the battle droids in this were much scarier than any in the Clone Wars. <laughs> That's fair. That's entirely fair. <laughs> um, so we're not really – we were kind of talking back and forth about should we have a spoiler section because this is all very much non-canonical, like even more so than the um, uh, the anime shorts. Which What was the name of that project? The Star Wars? Star Wars Visions. It was, yeah. Star Wars Visions. Seven you, Studios which... uh, brought us nine stories which you all on the Animation Liberation podcast, great coverage on, definitely check it out. Those are, as I understand it, kind of non-canonical, but still supposed to be kind of serious stories. This is a Lego story. It is exactly. purely <laughs> just for fun and satire and also to kind of, but sort of fill in some canonical points, but also just clearly having so much fun with it. And so we're not, I guess we would talk a little bit about it in general, and then we will get into a spoiler section and that we're going to talk about you know, all the actual things that happened. Mm -hmm. But I also think this is one where, you know, the main thing we're going to be spoiling for you is the great jokes. So it's 45 minutes long. If you haven't watched it yet, maybe hit pause, go watch it. Or if you just want to hear about it, we will happily uh, kind of walk you through it. Yeah. I do want to point out, it's it's interesting the fact that this is a collaboration between two podcasts. I just, I really admire the partnership between Lego and Star Wars. Like, even before mm. Disney bought Star Wars, it was just one of my favorite team-ups. I didn't buy a ton of Legos when I was growing up, but anytime I did buy a Lego set, it was a Star Wars Lego set. So, just awesome to see the way it's um, succeeded and um, persisted. Yeah, and that, that, it's funny, that's a good point that I hadn't thought of before, but you're right, because... By this point, I think we've gotten used to the Lego video games, which have teamed up with almost every big movie or big entertainment franchise. You know, we have mm -hmm. Lego Harry Potter. We have Lego MCU. I think mm -hmm. there's, you know, probably Lego, I don't know if there's Lego Fast and Furious because you probably can't get those bathing suits uh, on the <laughs> Lego parts. But, you know, there's almost everything Lego out there. But you're right. Lego and Star Wars have been doing stuff. I mean, I remember as a kid putting together, you know, like Lego X-Wings and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And, and so that's actually a great place to start is because what I wanted to ask you about, especially coming from the animation side uh, and you noticing a lot that I haven't really seen. I think this is kind of a good time to, to talk about this whole idea of the Lego animated show, because, mm -hmm. you know, Legos for a while were just this thing that you constructed 
And then you had Lego video games, which were really kind of fun. And, and I think I think they even started with Star Wars, but certainly Star Wars was in there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then we started to get, I think starting with the Lego movie, we started to get kind of animated movies in the style of Lego and the Legoverse. And now we're getting to the point where we're getting specials and all sorts of, you know, stuff, especially with Star Wars and, and Disney products. Talk to us about, about from the animation side. Like, what what's that process been like and what's it been like kind of seeing it as a huge animation fan oh it's it's definitely evolved and just the the level of detail and quality that we got into this point is just it really blows my mind and that's honestly the biggest takeaway outside of some really really funny jokes um i think it really we saw the biggest evolution in 2014 when we got the lego movie the theatrical release right um and and that's just where they developed a new technique where the cg got to such a level that it actually looked like models and you can see the different textures and like it looked like different materials different plastics different polymers and you're you're talking about just making the transition to video games and shows as well like and i I think this this special here for me is is far and away where they've mastered that technique that they took from the movie and they've been able to incorporate this and just that marriage with star wars works so well because not only are you just getting like all those different textures i'm talking about but the various reflections off of Poe's visor while he's out in space and then Mm. they combine that with the what works so well for the star wars films especially the original trilogy compared to the, the prequel trilogy not to mince things too much there but one of the best things about star wars is that lived in feel like everything's a little broken down and i appreciated that with just all the detail on the planet, Mustafar, even uh, Poe's X-Wing, just the various little blemishes here and there. It's, it's just such attention to detail. It's, uh, you know, the other animated series that we focused a lot on was Bad Batch. Um, and I haven't seen Rebels or uh, most of Clone Wars, but I, I dare say, obviously this is a different style, but just the the level of detail and, and almost being lifelike in terms of depicting like certain um, cloth and, and plastics and whatnot. It's, it's, it's yeah. there. Yeah. It's such a weird thing they do. And I'm so glad you can put it into better words than I ever could, because it, especially, I think you're right, starting with the Lego movie, but then getting even better and better. You know, I think of Lego Batman as honestly one of the best Batman versions out oh, there. Oh yeah. Great call. I love yeah, Batman. For sure. Um, but, you know, I feel like this one, especially we've gotten to the point where, it, it doesn't look like you have built a set out of Legos. It looks like that Lego is just it, like that. It is a full world that happens to be out of Legos, you know, right. and like to me, one of the best examples is you could show me a Poe Dameron who has a beard, but also has like Lego pieces. Mm-hmm. But instead, they don't do that. What they show is what looks very clearly like someone built a Lego Poe Dameron including a headpiece that has a beard drawn on it. You right. know? And so it doesn't look like he has a beard. It looks like he's a Lego piece with a beard that's drawn on it and very clearly like 2D of the 3D thing, but it still works so perfectly. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a, a great call. I think Poe in particular, just because we got to spend so much time with him, we got to see him undergo so many various changes. And, and even speaking to like when he crashed, just like I appreciated the fact that the blemishes and the like the smoke that had collected on his face like that didn't just go away when we went to the next scene like that persisted Mm. until when he met the hut the hut actually wiped away to like get a clearer picture that this was the legendary poe dameron so right the the other thing i picked up on i'm curious if this is 
if this is new to Lego or if this is something that's been happening before, but I just kind of missed, there were a couple of times in this where, you know, they were doing a parody of an already existing Lego movie or an already existing Star Wars movie. And in one case, uh, a 1980s bad vampire class, oh, yeah. which, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of, which we'll get into. Right. Um, and there were shots where it was a perfect shot for shot remake, even though it was Lego, you know, and like there's, mm-hmm. there's one scene where, uh, you know, this isn't really a spoiler. It's a plot. Like there's a scene where the characters are switched around in terms of who's flying what, but it is X-Wings flying down the trench of the Death Star right. while TIE fighters are shooting at them. And it was hard. Like I had a few moments where I was like, wait, did they just take a shot from the movie and put it? No, they actually just like painstakingly point for point rebuilt that exact shot, but oh, using yeah. the, the digital Legos. Yeah. You you feel the you really do feel the love and the passion for all all the all the films the original trilogy the prequel we did uh, excuse me the prequels um, with Poe being the focal character we didn't really explore too much with the sequel trilogy but just the fact that he's there well, actually well I guess with Kylo Ren um, mm-hmm. we did a little bit but yeah you get you it's approachable for every single fan of Star Wars yeah it's but. Let me ask you one other point about the animation, and then we'll get into that. Yeah. You said something about models. Say, say more about that. So is this – are they drawing everything but just drawing things that look like Legos? Do they have kind of computer programs where they're basically like building things out of Legos electronically, and, and that's what you're seeing? How, oh. Because it's so interesting to me to see like toys being animated. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the latter what you said there. They, they do these 3D models, and they actually build the individual Lego pieces. So you have the – legs that connect to the, the torso and then the arms with the individual hand pieces and they they basically rig all those together and they like a puppet system i can't say for certain which program they're using but yeah they, they take uh-huh. all these various pieces and then once um, they're assembled they can manipulate them as they want or you know program the animation to follow um, follow suit and then they can add the other elements on top of it so it really is uh it's outside of my actual you know full understanding i'm sure it's a little more complicated than that but that's it's it's it really is impressive just the that's awesome yeah yeah well i especially love that they're doing that because yes they're doing it digitally and with animation but by being so true to the pieces you know it feels like you'd obviously have to spend a lot of money and an incredible amount of work but someone with like actual legos and a movie camera could do some kind of stop motion that was pretty similar to this you know not with the same things moving in the same way necessarily but like that knowing that this is a animated depiction of something you could actually do with legos if you had every single piece is is just really kind of cool oh yeah yeah, and there are tons of people out there uh making little short films with their legos so definitely seek those out if you appreciated this kind of stuff i mean obviously with the illumination of like exhaust on the x-wing and stuff like that and incorporating um like real world environments you can't necessarily do everything to the t like that but the, the facial expressions on the Lego heads is not yet possible, but, you know, who knows? Unless, yeah, <laughs> unless you want to get fancy and, you know, Clorox off your, your Lego faces and draw new ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Well, because there you have, like, stop motion and some actual technical animation. True, true, sort of. for sure, for uh, sure. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's kind of get into the the spoiler section, such as it is, and talk about, like, the stuff that happens in the movie itself, okay. the special itself. Um, but I wanted to start just kind of with, again, a general topic. For me... I feel like one of the things that this does so well, and part of why I love it, I'm curious your thoughts is, I feel like it 
you know, a lot of satire or parody can feel like it's not, it can feel almost mean-spirited, you know, and where mm. it's, the aim is to kind of like make fun of the people who really enjoy this. I, I feel like this is straight up parody. It's satire. It's there's a lot of jokes that are really making fun of like, you know, holes, plot holes and things like that. Sure. But to me, it felt like it was done with so much love. You know, not it, it's kind of the we, we this is being done by fans who like to poke fun at themselves, not outsiders poking fun at the fans. Is that that sense you get? Totally, totally. I already kind of alluded alluded to the the love that is so clearly there, but it's it's just one of those things. Anybody that's been a Star Wars fan for any number of years, not to get into the the toxic fandom too much, but uh, mm-hmm. obviously people have had different receptions to the various iterations of of Star Wars out there. So I think it's 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 nice that people can kind of take it tongue in cheek and. Yeah. Uh, acknowledge the shortcomings, but it's it like you alluded to. It's in an affectionate and loving way. It's not the people versus George Lucas. It's a celebration of of all things, even the shortcomings, because that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great way of saying it. That that's the celebration. And you know, honestly, if there's anyone who I think kind of gets the most skewered by this, it's probably the Disney Corporation. Oh sure. You know, in terms yeah. of how much of the story revolves around you know, a hut wanting to commercialize all this great nostalgia and storytelling, um, which I think is a pretty clear reference to, you know, the like, that there's a moment where the Darth Vader at the souvenir park says, I find your lack of souvenirs disturbing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, but it's the kind of thing that like makes you both be like, yeah, that's, that's like the, the Disney corporatizing everything is not cool. I should go to Galaxy's Edge and buy some souvenirs, <laughs> you know? Just make sure you don't get a blade of Sardant. Sardant. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're, they're, or, or a Wookiee's paw. That too, that too. So, so what other kind of general thoughts? What else do you really like about this or kind of general things you wanted to comment on? Uh, I, I think I've uh, alluded to it for the most part. Uh, to the opening title gag was uh, a real pleasure as we've gotten more and more of these uh, Star Wars TV series on the Disney Plus um, app. We've gotten used mm-hmm. to that like opening title sequence where you get the various helmets. So I definitely wasn't expecting to have Poe pop up. So that was just... Uh, really funny. Outside of that, I'll just I'll make note of some of the um, notable uh, star-studded like voice performers that they pulled out. So mm, yeah, um, Christian Slater appeared as Rin, a character that we haven't seen forthright in in Star Wars yet, which I I kind of appreciated that. James Arnold Taylor returned to voice Obi Wan Kenobi as well as Matthew Wood voicing General Grievous, and then Sam Witwer uh, doing Darth Maul. But then the other big one for me was Tony Hale as Vinay and mm. it took me a while to actually realize we had that like opening sequence where we got introdu- reintroduced to Vinay but Vinay has only had one scene in all of Star Wars and that was basically when in Rogue One when he was Vader's doorman for Krennic oh I was wondering if that was a completely new character if that was someone who's real oh that's kind of awesome okay yeah yeah so I don't know if he's been explored further in like books or comics I know Vader's got a mm-hmm. long-standing comic series out there but yeah, it was nice to be able to uh, take just a one-off character and and flip him on his head so much. And Tony Hale's one of the, the best people to do that, just to really uh, sell you on the insanity of the character. Yeah, he had one of those voices that I definitely recognized, but I couldn't... Like, I, I had to kind of look up to see if it was Mark Hamill doing kind oh, of a okay. Joker thing. Sure, sure. Uh, who, so tell me more about Tony and what stuff he's done. Uh, he's probably most noted for his live action uh, performances, but 
on Arrested Development, he was the youngest of the Bluth siblings, Buster Bluth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. know who that is. Yeah. And he's done uh, various voice roles outside of that. I want to say he had a role in Big Hero 6, but uh, I can't say off the top of my head. I don't have that information readily available. But uh, yeah, he's mm-hmm. definitely a celebrated performer. Right. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and so it's kind of like go through, there's basically four stories that we get here. There's the main story, and then we have kind of a very, like there's a lot of tropes that this plays on, but in ways that feel like, honoring and making them their own instead of making them cliches and you know one of the tropes is and i think the simpsons does this all the time but also some other shows is you have a very loose plot about something scary and then it gives you the excuse to tell a lot of like mini stories inside it so yeah we have this kind of main story and then the three stories that Vinay tells over the course of the uh uh the tale so for just with the main story you know it's this kind of loose idea of we're in the sequels era. Um, Vader is dead. The Emperor is dead. Vinay is this guy who is still on Mustafar and wants to find a, um, you know, a some Sith relics and have ultimate power again. And Poe Dameron crashes on the planet. And there's this other kid who's hanging around named Dean, who it turns out is Force capable. Mm-hmm. And there's just the, the kind of classic Star Wars beats of. You know, is Dean going to be able to face his fears? Will Poe be able to admit his shortcomings? Can the two of them stop this dark side person from Mwahaha ultimate power? Right. How do you kind of feel about kind of that the main story we got there? Uh, I'll be honest. Initially, when we first got introduced to like Grabala the Hut and all that, mm-hmm. I wasn't too too sure how to take it. Um, yeah, that's the other actually big point, prop point is. Part of what's happening here is that Grabala the Hut is he wants to turn Mustafar into an amusement park. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, yeah. So, yeah, he's yeah he's turning uh, Vader's castle into Vader's hotel, like a, a, a big resort that is basically just like you described, like Galaxy's Edge. But um, at that point, I wasn't entirely sure how to take it. It felt, I, I could tell that it was going into the anthology territory, but I didn't know if things were going to be entirely disconnected or if the story mm-hmm. was providing a framework. So uh, by the end, I was, I was actually really satisfied with it. And I, and I liked the trajectory and I liked how Vinay kind of um, didn't really show his hand. He was really broadcasting that comical kind of uh, ineffective geezer, not to be offensive um, kind of portrayal there but by the end he assembled everything he needed to kind of uh have this actually pretty intimidating uh force and and threat for our heroes so yeah i I was pretty satisfied by the end yeah he turned into what i referred to as darth mecca okay (laughs) great kind of you know the mecca warrior of like basically this legos it's kind of like almost an iron man suit especially because he's got this um sith artifact right in the heart of it you know yep. and there's this big metal suit with a huge lightsaber and yeah i just thought it was a you know if it was in a, something i was supposed to take seriously it'd be ridiculous but for this it just felt so fun oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and along the way we get to learn more about our heroes especially like dean he obviously has this connection to poe them both having asked well poe's already a pilot but dean has the aspirations to be a pilot and actually does have some echoes of anakin and episode one being enslaved by Watto and whatnot with Dean having this job that he just can't lose. But you, even with Vinaya vocalizing it, like you think Poe is supposed to be the real hero of the story, but it's nice that this 
is kind of kid centric, especially with the the Lego background there. Uh, yeah. That Dean got to step up and actually be the one that saves the day. I thought it was pretty heartwarming in that regard, even though everything had the spooky backdrop. Yeah. And especially because he hits a lot of the same story beats we've seen before about facing his fear and being a little tempted by the dark side, but stepping away from it. And one thing I picked up on, or at least, and I don't know if this is 100% headcanon headcanon that I'm inserting, but I feel like maybe it was intentional. And something that stories like this do is they'll do something where it could be totally random or it could be a a connection to a movie if you want to headcanon it that way. Mm. At the very end of The Last Jedi we see that there's this character on uh, Canto Bight who, you know, saw the people come and rescue and, you know, he knows the stories about the great Luke Skywalker and he has a little bit of force power. You know, he, he makes the broom go into his hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, everyone has talked infinitum about J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson not being on the same page and, and uh, story beats that both of them set up being dropped by the other. It, not to get into any of the, like, the right or wrong about that, but... This is, I think, one one of them that people often point to. is like, whatever happened to that kid? If mm-hmm. I'm understanding correctly, the kid is about the right age. And he's, once again, a person who is doing kind of like handyman work. You know, now he's doing like fix-it work instead of uh, sweeping up. But he's probably about the right age. He looks a little similar. So I, I like the idea. And he's Force-sensitive. So I like the idea that maybe it's that same kid. Yeah. Yeah. I won't argue against that if... If, yeah. if you want it, it's there for you, yeah. We didn't get <laughs> a name for him. He's just Broom Kid, so if you want to retroactively make him Dean, works yeah, for me. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, other stuff I thought that was just kind of fun about the main story, I, I agree with you, I wasn't super on board with the beginning, but I thought it was like a fine setup for where they were going. Uh, it is, though, fun to see the huts. To me, they were almost more like Ferengi in this, you know, in just mm. the kind of like... Everything has to be through the lens of profit. We're not really going to think about, like, is this right or wrong? Right. And, and I thought it was kind of a fun way of having th- three different sides in this. There, there's the the good people, the good guys, quote unquote. There's the clear, like, dark side users. And then there's this guy in the middle who just wants to make cash. Right. Um, so what? let's kind of get into the, the, the stories we told then. So the first one is that we – and this is – I mean, obviously it's non-canonical – but we do get a version of the story that a lot of people have been wanting to hear about. We get introduced to the actual Knights of Ren yes. and um, uh, the, you know, what happened to Ben Solo to turn him to the dark side. And it is all done is, as a 100% montage to one of my favorite awful 80s movies, The Lost Boys. Yeah. And it's literally <laughs> called The Lost Boy and the logo is the same. And... You're not of that generation, so had you seen The Lost Boys going into this? I have seen The Lost Boys, yes. I am familiar with it, yes. So I was able to appreciate all the references, especially with, um, I already mentioned Christian Slater portraying Rin, this being the first time we've seen him, quote-unquote, on Mm -hmm. screen. But I absolutely loved with the the whole, Solo, join us, Solo. Like I could totally hear Kiefer Sutherland doing his... Michael, Michael, <laughs> just a, a great yeah, reference I, there. I was referring to him as Darth Kiefer as he was taking notes on this, you know. And it, that one, I, I think, was the one that where they they really did just a very faithful, like, I mean, they make fun of it in all the best ways, you know. I I often refer to that movie as being ninety nine point nine percent plot free, mm. um, and that one of the most ridiculous things in the movie is that when they're trying to show you like how punk this gathering of punk vampire kids is, mm-hmm. they cut to a saxophonist. 
<laughs> so the fact that they had a saxophonist, they had an 80s music montage. Yeah. Uh, they completely reproduced the scene of the vampires all hanging from the mm-hmm. underside of a bridge. Like, it was just such a beautiful, like, it, it, it was just such a beautiful, like, homage to Lost Boys for no reason at all. Just like, hey, let's, what should we reference here? How about this movie that no one's thought about in 30 years? Yeah. Sure, let's do it. I have to imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to imagine that was as much for the animators and the creators as for the the parents that were watching that because obviously yeah. with it with it being lego there are a lot of gags in there some of them are more slapsticky which don't necessarily resonate with me as much but i can definitely put up with them so i think this just whole homage to the lost boys even as soon as you see the title card the lost boy you know what you're in store for yeah i think that was totally for the adults and the parents and i definitely appreciated it and hopefully the kids out there, even if they didn't catch the reference, they still had f- fun just seeing, you know, the subversion of expectations there where you think to see Kylo and the, and the founding of the Knights are in, you think it's going to be um, something a little more dark, but to, to see it just be yeah. so tongue in cheek is a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely. And it was funny because I think you're mostly right. It's, it's very tongue in cheek. There was one scene, though, where, and again, it's a, it's a straight homage to Lost Boys, where uh, uh, Ben is kind of going through this like he's not quite sure what's happening it's sort of a dream but it's sort of reality of the crazy journey that the knights are taking him on and at one point he's kind of in the middle of this circle of like children but children from the Star Wars universe including some like baby droids and like you know small versions of other characters and they're singing a version of the like Da, 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 which I think is something that happens in the movie, but they're singing it in Hatties. Oh. And it just like, it, it, I just thought that one moment was like super creepy in a wonderful way. Nice. Nice. I, yeah. I, somewhere in the back of my mind, I remember, I think I saw like the subtitles said singing in Hatties, but I'm not sure I made the exact connection you did. So I, I appreciate mm-hmm. you pointing that out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so then the second story we get is the tale of the saber of Skardon, or as it's referred to, the dueling monstrosities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is where we have both Darth Maul kind of returning from the dead, and also we get um, what's never really been told on screen to this extent before, even though it's told in the comics, the origin story of General Grievous, and that they are both trying to find this Sith artifact that Darth Sidious really wants. Right. What what, what did you kind of feel on this one? Uh I'm just looking at my notes here. I didn't take as many notes on this one. Um, I did enjoy it, and I, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it, it allowed for some of the more um, high-octane action, quote-unquote, in terms mm-hmm. of of uh, Lego lightsaber battles. But I did actually, referring to some of the um, more slapsticky gags and whatnot, I actually did appreciate that about, about this one with Darth Maul and uh, General Grievous fighting each other and cutting off their various multiple limbs, not to be insensitive <laughs> to, to any amputees or anything like that. Definitely want to be cognizant of that. But uh, even with like just the Looney Tunes action when General Grievous gets force-pushed and hangs for a second in the air before he plummets to the ground and, of course, yeah. lands on his head, just really good stuff. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of the resurrection of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, uh, excuse me, Sam Witwer... He he did he did a great job. Just uh, we never got very many lines out of Maul in the Phantom Menace, so I appreciate mm-hmm. Sam Witwer uh, bringing some some menace to that. Yeah, and, and I will say, as an amputee, I appreciate the sensitivity. I thought the the 
the the cutting off of limbs, especially with the awful puns that went along with it. Oh, you yes. know, he was like, you know, you've been disarmed, or can you not get a leg up? <laughs> I just thought it was all hilarious. Good. And I'm, it was done I'm, in, I'm in, glad. I'm glad you appreciated it. Good. good. <laughs> in very good fun. And, and I thought that this one was the one that they really were were both kind of like filling in some plot holes. Like I said, we get just a teeny bit, but we get the a little bit of the backstory of General Grievous that he used to be this person named. Um, Quyman J. Shalil, which is his canonical name in the right. in the comics and things like that. Um, but also that you're right, I, I am not wild about I was not wild originally about the Darth Maul resurrection story. I mm-hmm. think he winds up having some wonderful story beats in both uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Okay. I, um, so I think that's why I really have come to love the character. But I always thought the fact that he has spider legs is kind of ridiculous and dumb. <laughs> and and so the fact that this really makes fun of that and shows, like, the Night Sisters trying to figure out what to meld him with and nothing else works. Right. Uh, I just thought was hilarious. And, and kind of a nice, like, little – sort of like the same way the other one had been like, well, no one really knows how did Ben become, you know, Kylo. Let's again, like, no one knows why Maul has those legs. So let's have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. And correct – well, I, I guess – Again, I haven't seen um, large portions of Rebels or Clone Wars, but did the Night Sisters actually did? Were they characters that appeared on on screen and whatnot? Yeah, the Night Sisters are uh, a very big part of the Clone Wars story, and also do pop up in Rebels and pop up in some of the video games. I, um, I was going to say, I remember the one that uh, made an appearance in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Exactly. Yeah, and they're to me they're one of the most interesting parts of the world building because they're presented as dark side force users who are not Sith. Okay. Um, and kind of just a way of exploring that, like, the Sith and the Jedi don't have a monopoly on this this idea of the Force and that the Force isn't quite as much of a, a an easy binary as some people would think. Hmm. Very cool. And, and yeah, in, in that they also explore that, like, the Night Sisters, uh, like, they're, they're all women, but that the men of that race, um, you know, they are the ones who that Darth Maul comes from. Uh, and it's all on the planet of Dathomir. Right. Okay. That and makes I think sense. The, I think, the, ra- I think the, the male race is called the Zabrak, but I might be pronouncing it wrong. So feel free to send me and, uh, angry tweets if you know exactly how that should be pronounced. Well, if it's not Zabrak, it's probably Zabrak. So, yeah. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Zabrak is something from a different story, but it's something similar. But, well, who knows? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just thought it was fun. Um, they introduce some kind of ridiculous things like using the force to tickle people in battle. Oh, which, yeah. yeah, that would be distracting. <laughs> like I can get that. Um, you know, and, and as silly as it is, also I do like the idea of Maul and Grievous having this rivalry where they're both fighting for Sidious's affection because sure. that's actually exactly the kind of manipulative stuff the Sith would do. You know, playing people against each other oh, to prevent them from uniting against you. Yeah. And then just speaking to General Grievous a little bit more, it's it's interesting to me that even in Lego format, it's his animated appearance, appearances that do the best job of showcasing his capability because when he had that trek up the mountain where he has like the beast attacking him and whatnot, I was actually pretty satisfied with the choreography of his lightsaber moves and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, I couldn't help but think of uh, Gindy Tartakovsky's uh, 2005, his, his micro series with Clone Wars where he, there's an episode that he really capitalizes on the the actual terrifying nature. Like this was oh, that's awesome. Terrifying tales in a funny way. They actually make Grievous terrifying. Right. I, I also want to point out it it is nowhere near as close an homage or an adaptation to this movie as the first one was to Lost Boys. Right. But I definitely got a 
there's kind of an homage, especially in the beginning as they're being created, to a number of the old Frankenstein movies, hmm. and especially to the movie that is kind of an homage to them, Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. Oh, Young nice. Frankenstein. So that was nice. kind of fun. Okay. I was, uh, I was, in the third... Oh, good. I was just going to say, as, as that story was kind of going on, I found myself like, am I missing something? Is there an obvious reference that they're making? But I definitely appreciate the, the Frankenstein, um, the Frankenstein's yeah. monsters, um, homages that, that you highlighted there. They didn't yeah. necessarily resonate or didn't stand out to me in that regard. But now that you've highlighted, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But I also, I also think it makes sense. You didn't see that because it is nowhere near as direct a remake as, as the other one was of the lost boys, you know, of course. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the third one, the, the Wookiee's paw. What what happens in this story, and what do you think of it? Well, I I really found myself appreciating this one a lot, and this is like where the special had kind of like found its rhythm, and I, I was really enjoying it. But I think a lot of people are familiar with the story of the monkey's uh, paw, in which you know right. you you make a wish, but you have some unforeseen consequences. So just going into it with that in mind, I love how they just this is the one that I think subverted expectations the most, like focusing on on luke skywalker and he ends up blowing the the death star up and being famous for it but just in a completely different light and i I thought it it was hysterical and um yeah actually kind of poignant in some ways in the fact that darth vader actually had the opportunity to spend time with luke and actually train him and you had direct moments where it was luke interacting with obi-wan and yoda but Vader got to sub in in those instances, and yeah, they were training in the dark side, which is not the greatest thing. But uh, it, 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 I couldn't help but uh, be a little have my heart warmed there. Yeah, I thought so, and and I wanted to ask you because I, I saw all of them, but I know you did in depth episode by episode analysis of the recent Marvel show What If, mm-hmm. um, and I I don't know if like. You know, it's all Disney, so maybe they knew about this, or maybe it's just a coincidence because people have been telling what if stories for for thousands of years. But to me, this was kind of a what if story because this was what if Luke had joined the Empire, you know, before Obi-Wan came along. You know, he he at one point talks about he wants to submit his application to the Academy. This is what if he'd gone to the Academy. And I say that especially because most of the story beats play out very similarly to A New Hope. Mm -hmm. But as you said, like Darth Vader is now playing the part of Obi-Wan. that also means that, uh, you know, Leia Organa, Princess Leia, is the pilot of an X-Wing. Right. And Obi-Wan's the pilot of another one. So I, I did you see it in the kind of a what-if light? No, I, th- I think you're 100% on the money. The what-if comparison is right on right on the money. Sorry to repeat myself there. but I, I And again, I don't know if everyone's watched what-if, but the, the main concept there is in every episode, the watcher, Owatu, our narrator and our guide on these, these various... Um, multiversal stories he always tells us the one thing that has changed and you're you're talking about all the like beat for beat scenes from a new hope and even in the opening there like luke's luke and uh uncle ben and all their dialogue is almost the exact same like he says that he needs to go to mos espa to replace a droid and luke says that he wanted to go to the tashi tashi station but instead of going for power converters he wanted to sign up for the imperial academy so it's like that's the one little thing that changed and right. everything spins out from there. Yeah. It's a really fun kind of storytelling. And again, it's, it's, it helps to set up the main story. It's mostly just a way to have fun. But it, it, to me, I think it may have been my favorite, um, mm-hmm. both because of the way it's so clearly a, you know, an homage to A New Hope, but also this was the one where really most of all I noticed the, 
the shot-for-shot remakes I was talking about before. You know, can oh, sure. you do get the battle in the trench with the X-Wings mm-hmm. and the TIE Fighters. And, you know, we have those scenes of, you know, like, stay on target. They don't say stay on target, but, you know, the X-Wings flying down the trench. And they just look like they're going fast. And if you look carefully, you see that it's Lego parts, but it's Lego parts perfectly representing those scenes from the original movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It It's really impressive. The Death Star Trench run is one of the most iconic sequences still in, in film being over 40 years old. And, uh, yeah, again, we talk about the, the love and the passion, the attention to detail. And, again, talking about the animation tech technique where they actually are rendering these individual lego pieces like to do that is absolutely painstaking and uh, I, I, i'm i'm there with you I, this was my favorite story and again it just kind of speaks to how i was feeling with the special at that point i i think it it, it was the correct momentum and we we talk yeah. about the homage that was being paid to other things before but it it again kind of talks about how it subverted expectations i went into it thinking this was going to be the monkey's paw where instead it was just so much love for a new hope yeah, and and but still honoring the monkey's paw aspect oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. of you know, sure. and, and and I'm not yeah I'm not I'm not just agreeing with you there I'm just kind of like saying one more cool thing because it it, it does the and I think this is this this degree of it is sometimes in monkey paw stories but not always but it's that kind of old adage about like you know if you make a deal with a fae the wording has to be very exact you know mm-hmm. and and if you make a wish your wording has to be very exact because his wish is I want to be the most famous you know pilot in the galaxy right and as you said it's be, what he winds up doing is he's supposed to be defending the death star he totally screws up and so he's the one to blow up the death star and so he becomes really famous as the greatest idiot the galaxy's ever known yeah he, he tries to pull off the 180 degree proton move and again you, you mentioned leia being um the pilot of next wing and you just get to see her capability as well because she says not today fly boy and those protons go right where they're supposed to go Yep. And boom. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think we had um, too much more to say. Is there any other kind of last points you wanted to make about Monkey's Paw or Wookie's Paw or just the whole thing in general? Uh, just uh, a few references that I, I wanted to mention that didn't come up. Go and for it. This was for the, the framework story that we got there. Once we got to the end and Vinay was, like, on his rampage, I my favorite reference out of the entire thing, The Shining is my favorite horror movie of all time, so... When the droid, I, I don't have his moniker, but when he said, here's BD, blah, 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 with the axe coming through, <laughs> I I knew that I loved this special at that point in time. Oh, and it, I, I've seen The Shining once many years ago, I but of course that seems iconic. I totally missed it at the time. Oh, okay. But now you're saying it, I completely see it again. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you, you caught that. Yeah. And then the other one, I don't know if this one was quite as intended, but being a big Lord of the Rings fan, I, I kind of talked how Dean was given the opportunity to be, be the hero at the end of the day. That's because he threw the Sith holocron into the lava and veneer, or excuse me, I keep calling him veneer, but Vinay being the the greedy kind of um, scheming character that he is and his greed reaches out for it and falls in the lava. I thought it was a total Return of the King um, reference yeah, with the character so. of Gollum. Yeah, yeah, that one I definitely picked up on. And, and I, I think it was, it, it's just so fun that they, I, I kind of have this image of the, of the people at the Disney Studios for this, or the Lego Studios, having both a, okay, we want to tell a Star Wars story, but they did have a list of like, let's do the Lost Boys sometime. Let's do that mm-hmm. scene from The Hobbit, so you know, from the Lord of the Rings sometimes. And they just are like, all right, let's kind of just kitchen sink this and throw in whatever we can yeah. to figure out a way to, to make these cool references. For sure, for sure. Uh, one other little thing I wanted to cat 
point out, and as we pointed out in many other things, so it's it's true in the main Star Wars universe, but it should be so it should be true here as well. For some reason, no one has figured out that locking the door on an AT-AT or an ATST or really any other Imperial craft, and perhaps not leaving the keys in it, might be a useful thing. Because once again, the ability of anyone to climb into any of these crafts and just turn them on immediately, like. No one's got a low jack anywhere in the universe. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I guess yeah. The the low jack technology just never made it there. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, any any other last things you wanted to mention? No, no. That's that's all I've got. I appreciate you inviting me on. It's always nice when again when we can celebrate Star Wars, especially in the animated um format and i'm mm-hmm. excited to see what else the lego star wars marriage can bring us because as i said i just came away from this one really delighted and uh quite entertained so we did have a little a teaser at the end uh it wasn't a full-on like mcu post credit scene but there was a certain hand that raised up from the lava so maybe yeah. we'll get another one of these next year next halloween yeah the the, the vinny is definitely vinay is definitely not gone forever nor is his droid <laughs> um, well, thank you, Scotty, so much. Um, I wanted to say a quick shout out. Uh, I had not even known this property existed until yesterday when I listened to uh, another great podcast about Star Wars that I always want to recommend to people, uh, but especially now because I, I literally found out about this through them, the Rue Palps uh, pod race. So it's, you know, it's supposed to be a reference to RuPaul's Drag Race. Nice. It's, it's five queer folks who have their queer perspectives bringing that to talk about Star Wars. And they just talked about this, how much they loved it. And I was like, I need to hear that. And I, I need to watch this and, and, and talk about it. And literally yesterday I messaged you and you were willing to watch it and be ready to record on it the next day. So thank you to them and, and a huge thank you to you. Um, and I know you're doing so much else these days, Jay Scotty. If people want to hear more of your thoughts, uh, you're all over the Stranded Panda universe. Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, at Jay Scott for real on Twitter. If you want to check me out on Instagram, it's at Jay Scotty for real. But my main thing is animation deliberation. It's the podcast on the network that um, tackles action animated. Well, obviously, this has been a collaboration between the sh- two shows, so you know about it. But yeah, um, check out Animation Deliberation wherever you get your podcast. Um, in addition to all the Star Wars coverage that we've made reference to, we've been covering Young Justice. Uh, we just finished up our coverage for Season 3 in preparation for Season 4 that's now airing. And then just talking about Star Wars on the other side of the Star fandom, I was talking to Matthew Carroll about maybe doing some coverage for um, Star Trek Prodigy. So, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I think he on the Star Trek Universe podcast has actually already put out an episode uh, covering at least the first episode there. But I'm excited to check that one out and maybe uh, link up with them to do some coverage there. That's awesome. Yeah, and as you said, we, we have so many great creators in the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, and I love it when we can collaborate like this. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank um, you. To our fans, thank you as always. Uh, we'd love to hear what you thought. Did you get to see it? Do you now want to see it? Uh, are we more and more putting the Star Wars holiday special into our, our rearview mirror. We've already had the Lego holiday special. I myself am a still a big fan of Wookiee um, uh, Life Day, even though it's horrible, but, you know, not everyone feels the same. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Would you love this? Do you hate it? What do you think of the whole Lego idea uh, with Star Wars and with any of these things? Uh, you can contact us by going to theethicalpanda.com. You can email us, theethicalpanda at gmail.com. 
find us on Facebook, The Ethical Panda, or you can find us on Twitter, Ethical Panda 77, without the word the. So just Ethical Panda 77. Uh, the Ethical Panda was a little bit too long for a, a Twitter handle, unfortunately. Uh, and of course, you can find there, you'll find this podcast, my superhero ethics podcast, information about the uh, Marvel Movie Minute podcast I've been doing, where we go through Thor minute by minute, and all the other great things that I've got a chance to do as part of the Stranded Panda. Uh, podcast network and all other sorts of great things so please check out that please check out strandedpanda.com where you'll find a lot more by myself by jay scotty by uh jay scotty's partner in crime and animation liberation zuhair ali mm-hmm. and just all sorts of other great folks so uh i have myself everybody thank you all so much and have a great day <laughs> <laughs>